Now, you said that you dropped three goals. Did you, like, reach into that hat of goals and, like, pick three to, like, light on fire? No. No, they were, um... I, I removed my better health through stake objective, which is part of a grander scheme that I am I am implementing of killing my uh, of killing off more metrics because there is there is some relatively ancient tech world wisdom that anything you can't measure is if you can't measure it you can't improve it. Basically, the idea that if you're not tracking your progress on something, it's not going to work. Right. Um, I do believe that, but at the same time, some of the things that I've been tracking are preoccupying in a completely pointless way. Um, The first and most obvious one, which I had actually technically solved a while ago, but I just committed to it full full stop last week, was I moved all of my stock money into index funds, Mm -hmm. which are not fun to watch. (laughs) <laughs> which will discourage me from watching them. Perfect. <laughs> um, and they are also, they, they very much fit into uh, all of the conventional wisdom about the way that you're supposed to play the stock market. I mean, someone at a conference somewhere um, asked Warren Buffett what he would have done, or what he would do if uh, he was 30 years old, had half a million dollars in the bank, like what would he do with that money? And his answer was... Uh, put half of it in an index fund, half of it in bonds, and get back to work. Get back to work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, all right, you ain't there yet, man. Mr. Half Million Hot Shot. <laughs> yeah, like that's not, it's, 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 stay away from that shit. And I've been, I've been pretty good about that, and that has been very good for my psyche, but I needed to apply it further, so I've extended it in a couple of ways. One of them is to this goal. I was trying to weigh 180 pounds, and the problem is, because that goal, I set that, a month out. It was supposed to be a February goal of basically losing 15 pounds, which sounds like a lot, but I've done it before, and I know that with some discipline, it's absolutely achievable. Was that to make weight? Was that for a certain deadline for a competition? It was, but I don't know that that matters based on the... I thought that mattered in a way that it probably wouldn't for the competition oh, okay. in question. Um, okay. So that deadline wasn't really hard. It was a sure. soft deadline. But the problem is that when I give myself a quota like that over a period of time, like a month, and all I have to do is stay the course to succeed, it encourages me to cheat constantly because <laughs> I think about it all the time. Okay. Like I spent, like with the stock market, you know, the objective is to get a preferably in, in this economy over 4% rate of return every year and I have no impact on that whatsoever so with the stock market I'm just watching it and hoping it happens which is of no value to anyone anywhere um, <laughs> except maybe Scott trade um, but and then but with the weight it's the same thing I essentially there's there's a number of calories that I need to eat and there's certain foods I need to not eat and the only creative input I have in that whole equation is what I'm going to eat instead and that just makes me think about eating. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to not eat is to not think about eating. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm going to eliminate that goal after, I mean, I've been, you know, what is it, the 18th of February? I've been sitting on this stupid goal for so long. And, I mean, after two weeks, I have not meaningfully changed weight. And it's because every time I think about it, it's like, okay, well, I need to eat. X amount of food, and I should start eating 
at this time period, and then the subconscious id side of my brain goes, eh, but you could probably eat now. And, like, that just, <laughs> it just hits me over and over and over and over during the day. And the only reason that's happening is because I have a conscious reason to think about it. Like, I would eat well in a vacuum. I do eat well in a vacuum. I was just trying to push it, and the way I was pushing it was not working. And, and you think that this is just a mental tax that you keep paying throughout the day that you that you could better spend elsewhere? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. The mental tax is not only affecting other activities because it's distracting me from them, it's also counterproductive. Um, and the other, the other one that I'm going to try this on, which I did in the past and it backfired a little bit, but I think there were extenuating circumstances around it, um, I am going to eliminate my discretionary budget. Okay. I am a responsible enough spender that most of the benefit of a discretionary budget is lost on me because I don't buy things that I don't really want. Like, mm-hmm. my, the gauntlet to get me to purchase something is it's labyrinthine and long enough that I don't end up with a lot of crap in my house. So are you saying that with the budget, you feel like, okay, well, here's the budget. I need to go spend it. Is that the That's problem? Exactly. Okay. That is the exact problem. It it encourage it gives me a an anchor that feels like what I am supposed to be spending. I see. Yeah. So that's, it it ends up being why counterproductive. I don't have a budget. Yeah. It ends up being completely counterproductive. I mean it would be one thing it'd be one thing if I was on the verge of being underwater and living paycheck to paycheck. It might sure. be more important, but I'm not and I think as long as I don't go out and buy anything particularly stupid that this will actually help quite a bit with that. Well, if you were living paycheck to paycheck, then the budget would be, f- would be tending to push you down in spending, whereas it's currently pushing you up in spending. Exactly. So it can do one of two things. So, okay, cool. Yeah, and not only is it pushing my spending up, it's, it's once again, it's just a little mental tax. Every time I buy something, I'm thinking, oh, well, I've got X number of dollars this month, and I've been saving this much, and I'm just, like, I'm using it as an excuse to do math in my head because uh-huh. I just like doing math in my head. <laughs> so I'm doing this arithmetic because it's like the budget has a rollover. So, you know, if it's, you know, I saved money from last month, it rolls over to this month. And can I like beat my, not merely the quota for this month, but like, can I beat the savings that I achieved last month? Do And that's, that's all absolutely useless <laughs> mathematics to be doing when deciding oh, to buy stuff. It's fun, man. You're having a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> I don't know how much fun I'm actually having doing it. I don't know how much fun it actually is. Because the money gets saved either way. And I would rather just take that out of the equation. So that's another place. I'm just, I'm ripping, I'm ripping all of the metrics out of my life. And hopefully that'll work. Oh, uh, the reason the reason I thought that was, was going to backfire before, because I, I have a budget for a reason. Um, in my older schemes, I was allowed to buy things whenever. And I now have in place in the new Bag and Chips Mark III, which is on the website. Um, I, think it's mostly, I think it's mostly good to go at this point. There is a stipulation that I am only allowed to spend money on things that are directly related to what I'm doing. And that is a very strong... That has been a much better regulatory measure than I expected it to be. The, acti- the activity that you're currently doing like in that moment, in that day, in, in that In week. that slot. In the okay. slot that I have specified. Oh, I, I see. Okay. I'm, I'm only allowed to spend money to contribute to the progress of that activity. 
And right. that's that's been remarkably effective. And these slots are the two-hour-long slots. Yeah, you're these, about? these are the two-hour slots. Okay, that's really cool. So, so how how has that been effective? Has it made it like so that you just single single task? Like, okay, I'm not allowed to think about better health through steak right now while I'm working on a writing assignment, for example. Well, it, I mean, that's that's theoretically that's the utopia that we try to achieve with uh, with putting schemes like this together. But in the case of money in particular, I have to, when, when I think about buying something, I've always had the checkboxes as a place where I can defer thoughts that I should have later. Um, but the specific requirement that the money has to be used in the interest of the slot, and mind you, this doesn't just apply to, um, to the, work, the uh, work time, daytime slots. It also applies to the evening. It makes it a lot harder to justify bad decisions, and more critically, it makes it very easy to wave them away, mm-hmm. which it always seems like the one, because you can always, it's, I don't want to necessarily call it the Costco effect, because there are benefits to shopping at a place like Costco, <laughs> but when you when you go down the aisles of a store like that, a, a highly value-laden store, where you can pick up 2,000 of something, and over time, that will amortize itself, sure. it's really, really hard like, you can come up with a ton of reasons why you should buy something and why you shouldn't, but the knots are never ironclad because there is a value to buying them. Like, you can't completely override them, um, and this provides me with a hard, fast rule for not doing it. For, for not arriving at those, for not even having to deal with the not-to-buy reasons? Exactly, because it okay. just shuts down the reasons to buy it. If it's worth buying it, I, I will do something in the future that justifies its purchase, but I'm not doing that thing right now. That's not why I'm here. I see. Um, so so it, the, I guess the analogy is, okay, you, you, you are still walking into Costco, but you like have blinded yourself to the irrelevant aisles. Yeah. Is that, is that a good way of looking at it? Essentially, and you're just like yeah. going, going to aisle 23 where you know that that one thing you need is... Yeah, and I okay. and it's it's a step for me in an odd direction because I have always I I always consider going to the store to be extraordinarily wasteful if I'm doing it for one thing. Oh yeah, okay. And I try and I do try to I do try to defer. I try to only buy things during the checkboxes, which is when I normally um, for those of you tapping in who aren't familiar with it, the checkboxes is where I defer all of my tiny tasks, all my little to-dos that are not larger projects, um, like buying things, like making car trips, like paying bills, that kind of, you know, all the little housekeeping stuff gets sure. gets lodged into one slot, and then, you know, on some day when I've got enough of those little to-dos, I slot in the check boxes and I just hammer all of them out. And that's nice. when I try to buy stuff, mm-hmm. um, because that way I can take care of it all in one shot. Um because that satisfies my my need for efficiency in using my car. Like like I said, I hate going, I, I hate driving in my car to do one thing. Yeah, it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's been remarkably effective to single task this stuff during the daytime, just defeating the desire to multitask. And multitasking, I I do sincerely believe that multitasking is sort of a root of all evil in organizational uh-huh. patterns. Um, it, seems, it, it, it seems to pop up everywhere that problems exist. 
it, it's where people find a second to go onto social media. It's where you accidentally buy things you don't want to buy. It's where you get distracted from what you actually want to do. Like almost everything seems to be labored under this illusion, under the illusion that you can get 60% of this done and 60% of this done to add up to 120%, and that's just an, a lie you tell yourself. Or even that you could do 50 and 50 and add it to 100. You can't even get that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, the 50 plus 50 probably equals like 65 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I deal with this with instant messages and emails at work. Um, and you just can't do it. you got to focus. And if you if you get taken out with an email or an instant message, good luck getting back to work. I mean, you will but it's going to be highly inefficient to do so. Yeah, I don't think I'm alone there. Yeah. That, it's just, it it's pervades absolutely everything. But that's good for the other people because they hold you down <laughs> so that they'll like, be able to pile on top when, when it's time to like divvy out all the bonuses later on. I wasn't thinking about it quite that deviously. And I also didn't mention a single other person in there, so I guess that's part of my own bias in the way that I look at this. But. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we can see where both of us are coming from. Yeah, a little bit. Have you picked a... Uh, you said you had watched the tutorial videos. Have you picked a uh, hands-on <laughs> thing you want to you wanna try? Um, no, I haven't, I haven't picked on the... I haven't picked that. I'm going to find something stupid to build, man. <laughs> I built myself a little desk lectern so that I can put books on it, because I don't have anywhere to stand and read. Okay. It, did, I, th I think on the Bag and Chips page, you said that you wanted to have a lectern for the backyard? Yep. Is that what you're talking about right now? It's that uh, I built a prototype of what's going to go in the backyard in, mm. in my... Because uh, building a thing out of wood the size of... A, it, a bar height angling thing with slides and hinges and all the stuff that will probably be necessary to make this a worthwhile piece of a kit that'll survive outside. Mm -hmm. uh, it always makes sense to prototype those kinds of things. So what I did sure. was, and actually even though no one else can see this, I can just show Matt this. Let's look at this. I got this thing. David's walking out to the to the room right now with it. Yep, there it is. It's got the um, standard... DeWalt clamps for holding uh -huh. books in place, Bingo. and basically it's it's a hollow shell. The the one that I put outside is not going to be a hollow shell, uh -huh. but basically these are just little stands, and I can put whatever I need to on them, which is something I've been meaning to do for a long time because reading on a flat surface or even drawing on a flat surface is not not fun. Sure, like it just it promotes carpal tunnel and um, neck pain, so. Mm -hmm. But it would be cool, it, it would just, I mean, even for just purely aesthetic purposes, I want to kind of have a dark wood lectern just sitting in my backyard. Mm -hmm. oh, I need that light. So yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, no, it would be, it'd be a neat thing to have. And where, as do you, where do you envision this thing landing in the backyard? Is it going to be next to the scaffold or yeah. near, near that tree? Oh, definitely, no, it'll be, it'll be near the scaffold. Yeah. I don't want it to be too far away, because if it starts raining, I'm probably doing something that'll get wet, so... Mm. These are considerations that have to be made. Also, it's a it's a fun rule of thumb that if something would be neat to have, um, the simplest way to justify it is to build it yourself. 
mm-hmm. because that intrinsically justifies owning a cool thing if you make it yourself. <laughs> Honey, I'm going to the store. What do you need? Wrong question. Yep. Build it up. Build. That's easy for me to say, though. Um, I haven't really uh, done that kind of stuff. You just got to start, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I could get plenty of excuses about why why I uh, why I can't. Well, what are they? Well, I'd be able to give you excuses, but my excuse for not being able to give you excuses is I don't have a project to work on. Um, hmm. Is there an easy... I mean, most of these things end up being personal enough that it's hard to recommend to others. Okay, one thing thing that I had a couple days ago was I wanted to... uh, to build a device that would encourage me to get out of bed by pulling my covers off at a certain time, right? It's like an alarm clock that that instead of making a sound or playing Jocko Willink yelling at you to get out of bed, then instead you like have the thing yank the covers off. So I started I started toying around with with like ropes and my kettlebell and a pulley. Um, and it, it ended up going nowhere. But it was fun to work on for like an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's the spirit of it. If it works out, that's great, but yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. It's totally worth the MacGyvering. How close did you get? Um, well, let's see. I got to the point where I had... I had the rope tied onto my covers, which was going over the chair at the base of my bed. And it was tied to my to my kettlebell, and I was because I really wanted that thing to get ripped off, a hundred percent assured. <laughs> I was, was going to say you got what what size kettlebell are you using for your? Um, it's my adjustable kettlebell. Was set to thirty pounds. Yeah, that's probably enough force to get a a mm-hmm. sheet off you. So yeah, um, so I was doing that, and I was trying to figure out a way to like get the rope such that. Only a very small disturbance to the rope would cause it to unravel, would cause, like, a well-tied thing to end up unraveling. Like, I'm talking, like, binder clip-sized um, small disturbance to the rope. And that's possible um, if you, like, lash it on by, like, uh, tying it in circles over and over. Um, so that's possible. And I was trying to get that secure enough um, so that it would also release and let the kettlebell come crashing to the ground. Um, and I got to the point where I was starting to mess around with my Arduino, which I never touch, um, to, to try and get this to, to happen. I was like messing around with, with a servo part of the Arduino. It's like, it's like a motor that can turn like through, I don't know, through like 180 degrees and then it stops. Um, but that would have been enough to like simulate that binder clip releasing that last part of the rope. I couldn't figure that out. I think that's where I ended up stopping. Uh, that the Arduino is basically where I end up stopping with every <laughs> mechanical project. I have one of those sitting in my desk drawer too that mm-hmm. I just can't decide what to do with. Yeah, yeah. It's with, with the Arduino. It's like okay, I'm going to set this up, and then well. I'm gonna have to buy a new Arduino next, so this project that I do with it had better be a damn good one. Yeah. So then it just sits there; it never gets used because of that reason. At least that's that's for me. It, it that definitely plays into it. Like there's this 
this crazy internal opportunity cost to applying electronics that way that's it it's like hard to overcome. I tried to overcome it with the Raspberry Pi by just buying three of them and just saying, Okay, you have them. Like if you want to waste them on something stupid, they're available. Just just yeah. do something with them. Because yeah, it, it is idea. there's like this upfront cost thing to the Arduino. And the fact that it doesn't really do I mean it does a lot. That's the wrong way to phrase it, but getting it to do what you want if you're not already inundated in Arduinoism is uh seems like more work than it should be. Yeah, and and I'm not. I never mess with it, so I, I don't really I, I don't have like a good sense for what it what I can do with it. Well, and it's that ends up it's a weird chicken and egg problem. Is which way is the right way to approach uh-huh. it? Is whether it's a push or a pull? Um, I mean, I I have a doorbell rigged up on a Raspberry Pi, and that was that was worth the effort to put it together. But it definitely took a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. And if I ever have to do that again, I'm gonna basically have to relearn Python. Although that's <laughs> that's nothing new, since that's the way I learned code anyway. Is I, I learn it for a week, I get proficient at it, and then I forget it completely because I don't use it for <laughs> six to twenty months. I'm, Perfect. Yeah, no, that's that's just the story of my coding career. And, and you can ju- you can do just like a shitty little program with like I don't know ten to thirty lines, and that's that, that those kinds of things can get you far actually. Yeah. They can drop a kettlebell off the side of your bed. <laughs> yeah, what, what is that, like three lines? Like, okay, wait until this certain time, activate servo, and then see you later. I mean, you did most of the programming in the physical world there. It, that's, but that's the problem, is it never is just those three lines, because you gotta, uh-huh. you got to tell it what pins the servo's on, and then you have to re-logic the pins to the general I.O., and then you have, like, there's just stuff. And every time I see a step in a program, this happened in the Raspberry Pi multiple times, where it feels like this is going through one more layer of bureaucracy than is absolutely necessary, it just drives me crazy. (laughs) Like, it feels, I, I feel like a moral repulsion to writing more code than seems necessary, and I'm not a good enough codist to have this kind of revulsion. So it just keeps me from doing things. Do you feel like you're not entitled to feeling that way? It's No, I don't because I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. Like I don't oh, I like see. I I'm like I'm decent at code. I can figure stuff out relatively quickly, but uh-huh. when I don't know why something is adding a step or it feels like there's an inefficiency going on, it drives me insane. But that's combated by the fact that I am not actually a master of what I'm doing. Well, this this for you is like not just for coding. This is for everything that you do as an amateur. One hundred percent. This is literally just me. Is I have an indignation with the imperfect, inelegant design that I come up with. You wait. You, you don't like it. What? I I miss. I, I'm not sure. I understand. All of all the things that I design have a perfect was the wrong word. I got to elegant too late. Everything I design has a specific elegance to it in either its construction or its purpose. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what I get out of constructing things is is coming up with the fastest way to get to A to, from A to B 
either by design or by function. Um, like the scaffold is, but it's why I don't like buying wood at the store. I like just using the wood I have around the house because sure. it demonstrates a complete. It, it demonstrates an efficiency of cost. Like with the um, uh, the what's it called the the lectern I just built. I built entirely out of materials I had on hand. And that is what makes it intrinsically satisfying. Sure. Um, I, you know, I try to apply some design principles to the thing. It's there's, there's a certain degree of minimalism to the way that I put it together. But you set the constraints for the project. Yeah, and that's satisfying to achieve within those constraints. The thing's not perfect, um, and that's again, I used the word perfect there and didn't mean to. I just I like I like elegance in the design of stuff. It's why I spent entirely too long trying to figure out in all of these schemes how to make, you know, all of the slots two hours or 90 minutes. And I try to balance the number of bullet points in any one of the instructions and, you know, it's the symmetry. I just, I, I like all that stuff. Do you think that the search for elegance sometimes gets in your way, though? I yeah, mean, do, all the do time. You, do, do you let it... Um, how has it gotten in your way in the past, and have you wished that it didn't get in your way and so like like that it's it's hard to wish that it doesn't happen because it's one of the most intrinsic pleasures to making things is being able to execute okay. on the elegance itself like it's one of the primary drivers, but no, it absolutely gets in my way all the time it's why I need schemes to work on stuff because if I don't have a rubric in place for how to tackle points of inelegance I'll get stuck on them and I won't proceed I do this it's why it's taken me forever to start building mark 2 of my fursuit because I already have a benchmark for how good the suit can be and no matter how many times I tell myself that it's fine that I'm still an amateur in the way that this is put together knowing what I need to beat there's no way I could accept it being any worse in any dimension than what I already have, and what I already have is very good. Um, yeah, I it, like, and that's that's a really that's that's a really banal example in some sense. I mean, I could I apply it. I don't it. think so. I don't think that it is banal. Okay, I just because that that particular example feels like it could apply to most anybody. I mean, why would you want to do work that's worse than what you've done before? Um, but like with code, coding is the most obvious example because it keeps coming up for me. Every time I put in a line of code that doesn't feel that feels like it is not the fastest way from A to B, it's frustrating, and I end up walking away, and I have to bring myself back. Yeah. Um, like that's a perpetual exercise. I every time something doesn't feel like it fits correctly, I have to close my eyes, reassess, flank whatever I'm doing like work my way around like even following tutorials I can't just follow the instructions in a tutorial on how to do something it drives me crazy if I don't know if if it feels like cuz I don't I don't know for sure that there's a better way to do what I'm doing it just this doesn't feel like the best way to do it I won't copy instructions that don't so feel that perfect that way is that the appropriate response to walk away from that challenge, though? No, absolutely not. That's, but that's where the schema comes in place. That's why I need pages and pages of <laughs> rules on how to, in, on the rules of engagement for this stuff. 
Have you considered handcuffs, like your wrist to your desk? Um, I've considered something like that. Um, yeah. I'm consider it, it's actually no. This this is a perfect segue. Um, I my main room is very good when I'm working on large physical projects because mm-hmm. it's got all of the materials in it and it's got big tables. Uh, but when I'm working on something at a computer where all I need is digital space, it's very distracting because. Um, Though I do like standing, I don't like sitting because I think it causes its own form of laziness. It's really easy to walk away from the computer and not come back yeah. because there's too many places. So I want to, I, I kind of want to have an office, and I do sort of have an office. <clears throat> it just doesn't have my main computer in it. And the reason it doesn't have my main computer in it is a facile one that ties directly into this. I need that computer to access... I need that computer to be able to display both in the theater and in that office. And those rooms are far enough away from each other that I would have to move the computer. Mm, Okay. And that is an aesthetically unacceptable solution to me. I can't, like, I can't do that. It will just, it it just feels, it feels unsatisfying for that to be the way my house is laid out. But what about this? So, so leave the computer in the one spot, but get yourself an electric collar that's used to train dogs and program it so that when you walk away from the computer, it starts to shock you. Mildly at first, and then it becomes worse later. Program yourself an office into your house. I'll look into it. <laughs> Actually, I wonder... I'm going to write that down. I wonder how much those things cost. It's like we train dogs with electric colors. Why can't we train ourselves? Because humans need fucking training too. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you can put the little flags outside your front door to like tell visitors that you have like this invisible fence that that David cannot go past at certain times, yep. and they'll understand. But I still like going outside. So, well, that's why that's why in the program you program it to like turn off at certain times. That's true. Yeah, I'll look and, into that. And then at the end of the day, like when you go out to the pasture, you can like signify that can be symbolized by taking off the collar. How ritualistic. Yeah. No, I kind of like this idea. All, all told, I'll have to, I'll have to investigate. And and, and during during one of our conversations, um, we were talking about costs to failing and things like this and I was like well you could just hang yourself for 10 seconds or something like that and you're like no it's a bad idea and I agree with you like, yeah that, that, that remains not. a bad idea yeah, yeah that's but but things like putting your hand in ice water or like giving yourself a little a little shock like sticking a fork in the you know in the wall okay that's that's, like that. that's also a bad idea okay that's probably do a that too one. much but, but, but like an electric collar but you can no. Can you punish yourself that way? I find it very hard to consistently punish myself in that kind of in that manner. Um, I I've not I, I've not actually been using ice water or any of these things like that. But I I think that I could. I think that I could if I set it up for myself to like. All right, well, look, you screwed up. So now. You have to you have to suffer the consequences. I think that I could do that, but I don't have any data to support that. Yeah, I've just I've never I've never been able to. The closest I've been able to get is our money scheme that we have going on. Like that's yeah. that's the absolute 
that that is the most consistent form of like negative reinforcement I have ever been able to work out. It was it was difficult to light a ten dollar bill on fire, but like that that was the deal, so it it needed to happen. So so that's the one piece of data that I have that says like I could probably do something like that, like like shock myself with dog color, <laughs> something that's not actually going to like. It's it's not going to do damage to me, but it is going to say say to me like, hey, here's the line you just crossed it, so here are the consequences. I think that I could enforce that sort of thing on myself, but you don't think you need to, obviously, or you would have tried it. Um, well, to the contrary, I I think that I could use those kinds of things, but I think that the reason that it hasn't happened is there is a barrier to jump over in terms of setting up that system. I don't know, the ice water sounds pretty straightforward. <laughs> I think you'd be able to get that one. Sure, sure. Um, uh, I guess I guess the barrier against that one, though, is I need to I need to get the ice water every day, bring it up <laughs> to the desk. Um, yeah, I agree, though, that that's not too big of a hurdle to jump over. I, I, I do think a lot of it just comes down to not... Even if it's not necessarily not needing it, I mean, in my case, it's because I know those are less effective than positive reinforcers most of the time. Um, the st- the stick is very rarely a useful a useful thing that way. I find the mm-hmm. carrot's almost always preferable, at least for internal barometers. And as long as you don't just take the carrot at some point, uh, which is inevitable. And uh, at that point, the stick's not going to work anyway, because you just avoid the stick the same way you dodged and gamed your way into the carrot. Yeah. Well, what what kinds of what kinds of carrots would work? Like, what's what's the carrot analog to the dog collar? What? Um, I mean, video games would be a basic example, but mm. I actually do tend to use food. Food does actually work pretty well for this. Yeah. Um, like know, bark fins, what? Which were which were recommended by you on a on a prior episode? <laughs> they are pretty good. Um, <laughs> although they are they are definitely trough food. They are they are food when you don't expect to need to do anything else useful for the rest <laughs> of the day, because uh, they they weigh you down pretty uh-huh. seriously. But no, even stuff like even stuff like subs, just eating out. That's essentially, there are only two times when I eat out now. Um, it is when other people are eating out and as a reward for doing something. Like, mm-hmm. those are those are the two times I do it. Which is a nice, responsible way to eat, which I then destroy by um, making <laughs> casual trips to Publix to pick up cookies or... Mostly cookies, actually. That's no. <laughs> um, which that's been totally curtailed by eliminating this budget thing and by by getting rid of the metrics for the weight loss and the budget at the same time. I haven't I haven't been to public since I started doing that. It has been one hundred percent successful there. Less time in your car too. Yeah. No. It's been it's been a complete win all around. Like, I, I can see, again, I can see the appeal of having those goals, given that I had to put those goals in place in the first place. I must have seen an incentive there. But it's knowing that I am responsible enough to not require them, they're better off not being there. I want to read um, 
the quote that I like from the most recent bag and chip scheme. Um, Mark three. Yeah, from from Mark three. So so during one during one of the paragraphs, you're talking about um, Matt. Like did you, you print in- out? Yeah, dude, it's right here. Oh my god. Yeah, w- when you are talking about the pasture. You're talking about like okay, instead of just digesting a bunch of things, you should read long form content. So now I'm going to read the quote that comes from that. Scan down rather than across, and you'll more than make up the difference in recency with depth. If you find that this makes your social life more taxing because you're behind by a week, please reassess your entire life before it's too late. Now, that rung true for me because I was thinking like, okay, my friends aren't going to like me if I haven't read, well, haven't watched the latest show. And I felt like self-conscious about that kind of thing. Like, I caught up with this kind of stuff. And yeah, it's like one of these things that we know, but we can't articulate it. And that's why I appreciate this because you articulated something that I kind of knew already. And the thing that I was worried about was, okay, with my friends, I need to have watched this episode of the show so that I can talk about it. Because that's the important thing in life, right? No, that's not right. Well, and it, it's easy to assume that everyone else is also as up-to-date as you are. That's that's yeah. one of the other ones. It, it, this isn't even necessarily just like a a stoic overproductive workaholic attitude to assume that you can be a month behind on everything. Most people are a month behind on everything. Like, even when they're trying to keep up with what everyone's talking about, it's it's really not that big a deal. Uh-huh. Because everyone is up to date on a finite number of things. And that's, you know, it's why I like doing podcasts for the purpose of reviewing consumer-type stuff, because everybody gets to be on the same page and we get to have a much, much more meaningful conversation to say nothing of the, uh, the fact that you can actually talk about it um, without feeling like time is not on your side while you're doing so. Um, you know, watching shows. You know, Netflix, Netflix's decision to just release all of the episodes of a show when they put out a show, still strikes me as a little odd, given that uh, the slow drip is actually a very good way to improve the overall experience of watching something. Because people are very bad at self-regulating for a whole host of reasons. I demand to be able to watch all these episodes in one night and eat a pound of popcorn. Yeah, exactly. And But that's that's the thing. You will automatically, and to some extent, some people will even push that so far as to say, you know, what business is it of yours the way that I consume this stuff? But the problem is that we'll, we will naturally select inferior ways to experience things oh, yeah. if we're given the option to do them all at the same time. Like, you know, popcorn is a good example of that. Ice cream is a fantastic example of that. If you have an entire... If you have a pint of ice cream you are almost always better off eating that in four or five sittings instead of one. This is the reason why at machinationlog.com listeners can find the Schema Du Jour page. That is what it is there for. Which, by (laughs) the way, if you want to contribute to that, uh, 
feel free to send me stuff and I will put it up there. Uh, if if I could add anything, I mean this this is like it, it seems like great by itself. Yeah, but it's not the only way to live. That's why I have to keep modifying it. Sure. Having more ideas up there is better than less, and I mean it's it's not called davidpaddock.com, although if that's available, I should probably take that. <laughs> get, get it quick. Someone yeah. just someone listening just says, oh man, I gotta go buy that page and sell it to David for 150% markup. Nah, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I already took myself out of that fight a while ago. That and That's one of the benefits of having like five aliases, is that if I really need to do it, I can just pick one of those instead. Uh-huh. But, um... But no, throwing ideas against the wall. It's like, you know, the table wasn't a complete waste of time. A lot of the ideas in it were misguided. Like, I had the... I I codified something I shouldn't have codified, which was one of the worst ones, is I had, like, the basic tenets. It's like, I'm allowed to preempt anything for these four things. And these four things are very important. The problem is they give you an excuse to just be lazy. And, you know, because being well and staying in touch and all the... Like, the, the... there's nobility, and there's a reason I put them all there. But you understand when you need to break the cycle to do those things. Like, you don't need that codified for you. It's the same reason why um, it's not to be overly political or severe by contrast for the analogy, but um, it's the reason why we don't need to codify torture as acceptable under extreme circumstances. Under extreme circumstances, the jury will understand Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't have to you don't have to put that stuff in words. Sure. Like leave the leave the exceptions alone, and you'll know when the time's right to break the rules. Yeah, because you can you can spend all day and all year just writing down all these things, but that's there's a point beyond which it's no longer profitable to keep writing out rules. Yeah. Well, and. And yes, at some point I do actually have to do something with the systems I'm building. <laughs> I've been running into a wall with that recently. I'm hoping I don't have to keep working on this. I feel like I feel like Mark III is a pretty good, solid document, but I always say that, so we'll see. But I've been thinking I've been thinking and writing way too much about how I'm supposed to do things and not doing them. Well well you're getting there and you know, life Life is pretty long, so if you establish this stuff now, then, you know, even if you spent all day just, like, analyzing, okay, how am I doing things, you're going to get those benefits later because you're going to know yourself. And, you know, later is a much longer time than right now. So it's an investment. That is the hope. Matt, what are you doing today? It's Saturday. I don't know. I don't know yet. I woke up and you were like, all right, well, I'm ready to talk now. So I'm like, let me get a coffee. Let me go for it. So I tend to, I tend to put these things together at the beginning of the day. Um, So that, yeah, I I don't have a good answer for you yet. I I can report on what happened last time. Um, So for our last conversation, which was last Saturday, I said that I was going to go get the file system on my computer under control. And oh boy, is it under control now? Uh-oh. I I I got it going. I deleted a bunch of pictures that I had like duplicate copies of for some freaking reason. Um, I organized stuff. I I now have like a file management software thing um, that I'm feeling pretty good about. I got 
something like Evernote going, but it's it's an alternative that works on my operating system and also my phone. And I got that synced up like just right. And I, I, I moved my list of books from this spreadsheet that I had into this like Evernote-like software, which is called Notecase Pro. Highly recommended. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling really good about that. Everything's better. Yep. Everything always gets better, Matt. That's what progress and going into the future is all about. David, I feel like I don't... Like, during these conversations, I'm kind of cagey because I, um, I, I do have these things that I think about, like, doing, but I don't like talking about them before I take action because of that effect where, like you feel like you reach the goal just by talking about it. But I feel like I overdo that. I feel like I am too conservative when it comes to talking about these things and that maybe maybe talking about some of them with you would actually be a boon to getting some of these things done. So I I, I don't know. Like like I'll I'll bring up another thing right now that, that I hesitate to bring up. So you asked me about my plan for today. One of the things that I could do today is just like 